0: who died for us because he loved us. Thought of the children's lesson and about living the gospel, there is a quote from Susanna Wesley that I just saw this morning. He said, there are two things to do about the gospel. What do you think the two things are? Believe it and behave it. <laughs> Talk about the simple gospel. Not very complicated. Of course, you need to put meat on that, what that means, but put it put in a nutshell. Also, I was thinking this morning, uh, I guess we were all listening to messages, maybe, weren't we? The message I listened about preparing, how much preparation, let me ask this question. How much preparation have you done personally last evening or this morning for this morning's service? How have you prepared your body, prepared your heart, prepared your mind and your soul Have you done any preparation? or you just show up? We we go to church. We go to church. But there's a purpose to come together. And when we prepare for anything, whatever we do, we prepare for it, we get more from it. And others get more from us. So I guess that's my exhortation in that this morning. Um, think about it. As we gather together with God's people to do some preparation. The evening before, I know that we don't do Sunday school. And some people have mentioned already how on Sunday school they have their lesson. They actually need to physically sit down and prepare for the Sunday morning. We don't have that here. We don't have that ritual, tradition, or that practice. I say that practice. But could we have a practice of preparing our hearts? Maybe if I don't do it, one of you's asked sometime in the future whether that's happening. (laughs) The old preachers used to say, that the purpose of preaching is to inform your mind, it's to warm your heart, it's to stir your soul, and it's to tan your hide. You know, we like we're we're all good at certain aspects of that probably. I'm probably one that's a little better on informing your mind. Myron probably is better at stirring the soul. I'm trying to think who here is warming the heart. I didn't come up with a specific person, but then I was wondering who among us is the tan to hide. But a good message will have all of those in there. That's what the old preachers used to say anyhow. So I don't know. I have to think about that a while. Why don't we just, if you, if you can stand, if you're able to stand, let's have a word of prayer before we move on. Lord, we bow before you with all of our hearts and you alone are worthy. You alone, Lord, are worthy to be praised and you alone are worthy to be served and honored. Lord, we, we want to be out of the way. We do not want to be in our own strength. We, we truly do want to rely on your strength. Like we've heard this morning. So I pray, Lord, come amongst us. Lord, may you be the one who informs our mind and, and warms our hearts and stirs our soul and, Hands are high, Lord. May you be the one who does that this morning, Lord. May you be the one that meets the needs of our heart where we are at. And may you be honored and glorified, and may your kingdom increase. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Yesterday I taught a class of teen boys at CLE and I had an assigned topic, and I pretty well figured when I had that topic the day before I share here, you'll probably hear a version of that, and that is what actually is happening. So um, I will teach you an adapted version of what I taught yesterday. Also, in September brothers meeting, we had a discussion on YouTube and uh and its impact on us as God's people. And after that discussion, I realized there probably should be some direction or some encouragement given publicly on that globally impacting phenomenon. Uh, but more than just YouTube, but generally the um, electronic, the whole, the whole topic of a digital world that's coming in. And what actually happened is this topic that I had yesterday dovetails quite well with that. So I'll sort of combine the two. But this is what I was given to teach to the boys yesterday. You are what you eat. What you learn and what you think about is making you into the person that you are becoming. Today you are this person, but you are becoming someone else. Are you discerning in your diet of learning? Is your learning increasing your capacity to serve? Learn how to control your appetite to develop into the man God wants you to be. You are what you eat. Now I love to learn, and uh, was already mentioned about that message. I think Dave mentioned about Anthony Hurst had a had a 30-minute message yesterday. That was he spoke my language. He's created to learn. Adam was created to learn. Adam didn't know everything. Adam had the joy of discovery, and um, he talked about our three-pound brain that you can take the whole entire phone system of the entire world and it gets compacted in three pounds. That's what God did. Um, he talked about having an appreciation for learning, not just what we learn, but what other people learn. He said if other people wouldn't have learned some things, uh, what would your house be like? How would you have gotten here? And he had a number of different things like that, an appreciation for learning and discovery. And he had, what was mentioned already, uh, if a a six-year-old has a very small body of knowledge and then the shoreline of that wonder of that knowledge is small, but as you increase your body of knowledge, your shoreline of wonder increases and the whole idea that wonder should Turn us into worshippers. Anthony spoke my language. There, was a, there is a school, actually, near Reading. That's a, it's a, it's a long, long front in the school. And in the one corner, it says, in three letters, I mean three words, it says, live to learn. And on the other corner, it says, learn to live. That, again, encapsulates just a tremendous amount. Sure, you want to live to learn, but if you learn, and you don't learn to live. What is that? So, you are what you eat. Now, I'm looking here. I don't see anybody with egg on their cheeks, so I don't know what you have for breakfast this morning. I really don't. If you are what you eat, I still don't know what you're eating. But you all look normal. I can't see any dirty faces, jam, even little children. They got washed. Neither can I tell by looking at you what your diet of learning is. I can't tell that. Now, if someone has a very unhealthy diet, it you ca- it can actually show up, okay? And if someone has an extremely unhealthy diet of learning, you can actually get indications of that as well. But in general, you can't. Not, not, not on the surface. But what you, your diet of learning is causing you to become the kind of person that you will be in the future. And for boys this is this was easy because uh, uh, adults it was mentioned at last brother's meeting, I think Leonard said it uh, ordain ordaining a person below thirty is generally generally thirty is sometimes viewed as uh, wait till a person is thirty before you ordain them as an elder now, one of the reasons given is that In the younger years, into the the 20s, a person is still developing their ideas and their concepts and their uh, what they believe is really so. And by 30, most of that is settled. It's not completely true, but largely true. So for us adults, we are still becoming, but it's less so than younger ones. Younger ones in their formative years are extremely susceptible to diet of learning. So I asked the boys, well, how many of you are boys? Uh, they all raised their hand. We had that screen pretty tightly. And I asked them, well, how many of you are ordained as a church leader? How many of you are husbands? How many of you are fathers? How many of you are businessmen? How many of you are teachers and missionaries? zero. They're all boys. And I told them, now, all of you, practically all of you will be at least one or more of those in the future. Husbands, fathers, business owners, missionaries, leaders. And what you learn today will determine what you are what your diet of learning is today will largely determine then what you become. So that's what I challenged them with them. You are what you eat, what you learn <coughs> and what you think about is making you into the person you are becoming. Now, um, we did this science lesson, this is probably every family does this. You put celery or some other plant in water, and you put food coloring in it. Most of you have probably done that, or you know what I'm talking about. And what happens to that celery? It gets colored with whatever color you put in there. That's an example of, of us becoming, depending on what we eat. Now, if you say, well, I don't really care what I become. I'm not going to concern myself about it. It still makes no difference. You're still becoming. <laughs> you are going to become. Whether you do it on purpose, whether you do it wrongly, whether you do it rightly, or whether you don't care, you are becoming. So, what do you learn about and what you think? Oh, let, let me just use one other example yet. Um, Some of you may have heard, I think it's in the 60s, they did the marshmallow test to children. (laughs) How many of you have heard about the marshmallow test? That's pretty, okay, some. What they did is they take a four-year-old child, boy or girl, they put a table and a chair in a room, small room, and they put a marshmallow on the table, and they tell the child, to make it clear, We're going to let you in this room for 15 minutes. If you eat the marshmallow before we come back, I say it this way. If you don't eat the marshmallow before we come back, you'll get another marshmallow. But if you eat the marshmallow, then you only have one. So it's a test of delayed gratification, that type of thing. And you have to understand, but back in the 60s, today we have so many processed foods and so on that marshmallows are probably not... Be that even tempting, maybe not. Maybe for children, they still are, four-year-olds. But back then, marshmallows were really something special. So some of the children ate it, and some didn't. And then they did follow up. I think in their teen years. I'm not sure when they when they how where they followed up, but they followed those children up, and they they you know they knew which ones had waited and which ones had not. And the ones who had Exercise self control at four, we're better off on a lot of points later on in life because there is a pattern already established that just goes along. So, what you learn and what you think about will cause you to become who you will become. So, what is a good diet, and do you gravitate towards a good diet? You know, I know of some people who have, who just eat whatever. I know they have eaten whatever they wanted to eat. Whenever they want to eat, whatever they want to eat, wherever they want to eat. And they can get away with it for a while. But it, for most people, eventually it shows up. Diabetes, heart disease, Uh, other ailments that come from eating a very poor diet. It would have been better. It would have been better. It is better if we are active conscious of our diet. Oh, this works or not. How many of you are familiar with that there pyramid? (laughs) That's called a food pyramid. Uh, they don't use that one anymore. Uh, that one has fallen out of favor for various reasons. (coughs) Excuse me. But what it, what it's meant to do is it, it gives you emphasis which are the best foods and also gives you an idea of a balance, what is a good balance of food. So it was it was a visual, it was a visual that was put on cereal and other while well, cereal because this one promotes a lot of carbs on the bottom, which is actually one of the reasons it has fallen out of favor is the high emphasis on carbohydrates, which they found out later on that carbs actually causes fat obesity. Let's say it that way, even more than what fat does, at least in in, in the proper in the wrong proportions. So that was a visual. So I thought I would take that and I would make my own visual on a diet of learning. Here we can do that. I need that. Someone did say we should get another one. <laughs> So we're going to look at different categories of learning. And what I have there is dark green, light green, yellow, and orange. And I don't have red on there. There's five categories that we're going to talk about. Red is not on there because red is poison. Red will kill you, so we avoid things in the red category, and yet red is a diet of learning that is very common in our society. But we do have dark green, light green, yellow, and orange. Green is good, yellow means caution, orange means very cautious, and red means avoid, abstain, absolutely, altogether. So what is dark green? The category of learning as you are becoming, as you are who you are today and you are going to become a person that is going to be useful to God, what is the very basic things to learn do you think? Anybody have any idea what is foundational? heard God. Is that right? God's Word. Yeah, let's turn to, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is very, very familiar verses. We're going to read the normal verses that we read starting at verse 4 and to verse 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down and when thou rises up. This is dark green. God wanted children to grow up in homes where they understood the world correctly. There is one God. He's the creator God. He's the God that made us. And in, for Israel's sake, it was the God that redeemed us. We are God's special people. And he gave us a law. And he wants us to obey. And we are to have his words in our heart and on all those things. Now contrast that. Contrast that with a child growing up in a neighboring heathen tribe. Contrast that. Just think a little bit. What will a child like that learn? This is an idol-worshiping nation. This is a nation that has their laws. They have no laws of honesty and, and fairness and care. They have, they have maybe had child sacrifices. They sacrifice to those idols, and they believe in who knows what they believe in. That child that child is, is going to, well, and, and then they live for, people live for power and pleasure and success rather than for, for God. That heathen child's view of the world and what he learns and how he acts that out is completely different than Israel's, a, children, a child from Israel. And that's actually how it is for us. When we talk about dark green, what we should learn, we as God's people have a totally different view of the world, of its past, of its present, and of its future than what general society does. So we do learn about God and the Bible, about creation, about mankind, about sin, about salvation. About confession and prayer. About purity and relationships. So that's dark green. Essential. Also in this area. And I say we're learning. And of course learning is to live in it. it. We also learn godly character. Honesty. Honesty. Compassion for others. Obedience to parents or other authorities. Speaking kindly. And then disciplines, like getting up in time. That shouldn't be a problem here. We all do that, right? Accepting work responsibility. Sitting still during class. And if I may say it, this is real for all of us, and we're all different places. Disciplines, like staying awake at church, (laughs) that's a discipline. It really is. And we realize that we're at different places, but it is a discipline. Self-denial, self-control, and self-restraint. And in the areas of your tongue, Your thoughts, your temper, your taste buds, and your treasure. All those things, what you learn, how you learn it, how you put it in practice, all those things you must learn well to become the God, the man God wants you to be, and it's not optional. Then we have light green. What do you think is light green? I won't ask that question. Let's see. If, if dark green is about God, it's about salvation, it's about accepting God's word in its totality and having a, a, a worldview and developing those disciplines and that kind of thing. Light green is, is built on top of that. Here's where Anthony was talking about yesterday, about learning about the world. He's learning skills. Your schooling is light green. uh, The things you learn in school, like math and reading, social studies and science and health, your education, that's built on top of dark green. And then also I put another one in in, uh, light green, and that is work. Now, whether you you are working in the home and you have home economics or other, other things of that nature or other things, or whether you actually have an occupation to uh, earn the bread, um, here is where you learn to become skilled and useful in the world. The world needs um, competent and able laborers and managers. So when God said to Adam to go and cultivate the world and subdue it and take dominion over it, he had in mind that kind of thing. Now what what we do varies greatly. But we all need to do something. And we have the gifting like we heard this morning. Some of that goes into that. So, i like to mention that light green is very important, but it is secondary to dark green. And the reason is, one of the reasons is, if light green is schooling, what if you are illiterate and you can't read? You can still be a complete, full-fledged child of God and not be able to read. What if you're completely incapacitated and you can't work? You can still be a child of God even if you don't work. And so, light green is uh, built on top. And then I thought of another one and I, I actually, I didn't do that, but I was going to make another pyramid and I took the light, took the dark green off and have light green at the bottom and then red at the top. But eliminate dark green. Now you have the picture of general society. They put value on education and work and being successful, but not based on God. And then you go up the ladder and they go into the red without that much issue because they have no concept of God. So dark green is the essential Light green is very, is important, but it's built on top of the dark green. But in light green, there are dangers in this area of diet. In light green, we will begin to be exposed to other views and other perspectives, and there needs to be discernment in this area. We'll talk more about that later. Okay, yellow. Yellow represents learning in another area. Now, yellow represents caution or danger. What are some things you need to learn that will help you to prepare to be the man of God that God wants you to be, and yet there's areas of danger in it? including some risk and danger. Well, let me give you an illustration. Let's imagine you live in a house in town, and there's a sidewalk out front of your house. You live in a row of houses, and there's a sidewalk. And as a child, you're told by your parents that you can go out on the sidewalk, but don't go on the street. The street is dangerous. So you can go on the sidewalk, you can drive your little pedal thing and you can draw your hopscotch and you can play on the sidewalk stay off the street now the sidewalk there's a little bit of danger there i mean a stranger might come along and and offer you candy and try to get you to go somewhere and you have to be taught about that but pretty well you're safe on the sidewalk well the sidewalk is like the light green there's some danger there but you're okay generally Well, as a child gets older, you begin to realize that the street isn't inherently evil. The street is actually a necessary part of life. But you need to be properly prepared and mature and discerning before you go into the street. If you go into the street at the wrong time, at the wrong place, at the wrong time, it will change your life, but not in a good way. So, a child is told, stay off the street. But as you get older, you need to go on the street and you need to navigate it. But you need to do it with proper discernment, proper caution. So, what In other words, you can't actually completely stay in, your, in the sidewalk in front of your house all your life. That's not what God has in mind for you. God has in mind that we go into the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's the discernment there. So yellow means there are many useful things, even necessary things to learn and experience. But you need to have a high sense of discernment to navigate the world. And so what is yellow education in our lives? And we could go many, many areas. And I, I just thought, well, I just going to some things that's gone through our home. Uh, you can start with some mild things that have game news. I mean, that's pretty safe. And yet it's, you know, then you have our neighbors used to give us a National Geographic. Now, that um, that was filtered before it came to us. But there's lots of good things to learn in there. And yet it also come from a perspective that's totally wrong. Uh, if you get into schooling and you get into the literature classics, well, you have all kinds of mixture there. What if you go to a museum? A museum is the world, very educational good thing to learn but all kinds of things there and then you go on online and youtube and you get into a real mixture there's so much in the world that has both good and danger so closely intertwined just like a street just like a street But to become an adult that can navigate the world, you need to learn how to become a self-governing, discerning individual. And you need to do that to mature. I was over at Living Hope two weeks ago, and the next day, one of the ministers was going out to Wisconsin to a trade show because he developed a piece of equipment and he needs to go out and he needs to show it. The trade show is the world. Curriculum fairs, other conferences, people come and talk to you. You go and talk to people. People have their ideas. We're in the street. We need to know who to talk to and we need to know who to avoid. (laughs) we need to do that, both of them. (coughs) I was talking to boys, so maybe this is more to boys, but I don't think it is. You need to study God's word. You need to study religious history and theology. You need to know. um, I remember the first time I heard about the higher critics there in the 1800s in Germany and what they were doing to the Bible, you need to know what people believe, the rationalists and the deists and the atheists and the evolutionists, because you're going to encounter them. You need to know why we reject the modern easy believism as well as what is called the social gospel and God and country Christianity. (laughs) So how are we going to? Now, there's there's two ways to do that. I'm somewhat sympathetic to the thought that comes, but you don't have to know all the counterfeit money that's out there. All you do is study the right one and then you will know it. And I understand that. But the world is a little more complex between one money that's good and one that's not. That's two things. The world is more complex and complicated than that. So it's not quite fair to say it that way. Okay? Because there are so many variations in sage and so many complexities that That's a little too simplistic, even though there's a certain amount of truth in that. It's a little too simplistic. Of course, you're probably aware that I had three friends who were, and I was in the middle of it too, three friends in my past that were lambasted with a alternate view of the gospel, and they fell for it. They fell for it completely and embraced it. And I don't think I have to say anything more about that, but they were not prepared. They were not prepared to counteract that. Now, but the, here's the thing statistics tell us that some people in the street will get run over. And I told those boys, those 21 boys yesterday, statistically, some of you are going to get run over on the street. And I don't know who you are. (laughs) Said it's very, you should go on the street with the wisdom of other people with you, your parents and others. But you need to go onto the street to become an equipped husband and a father and a teacher and a leader. You must venture beyond the sidewalk. You must go on the street. You must go into the world to, to, uh, to navigate all those things. And, and now that act, you can take that statement way wrong. (laughs) I hope you don't take it the way uh, it could be taken. Now, One uh, balancing word here. You ever been behind a driver that was very cautious? And you're driving behind it and just going slow. Maybe it's an elderly person or it's a young person or whoever. And they come to a stop sign on a busy road and they want to make a left turn. You all pretty well know what I'm talking about. And you're waiting. And then there's a gap in the traffic, but they don't take it because they're cautious. And so you wait and you wait and you wait. And finally they go. Then you can also be some other people who are exactly the opposite. I mean, just a little guy. They're out. They're gone. Now, which one gets done the most? Well, we say, well, the one who goes quickly. But there's a happy medium. The one who's very cautious doesn't get much done. Now, maybe they're safe. But they don't get much done for God. But the one who is not, who throws caution to the wind, likely at some point will have a casualty. And the thing about casualties is it affects more than the person. And in this case, if you are a father and you are a casualty, it will affect your family. If you are a church leader and you are a casualty, it will affect that. And and on and on it goes. So there's a medium. There's a. A place of proper caution, but there's also a place of proper risk, and there's a balance. A healthy, holy medium. So that's yellow. Orange. What do you think orange is? Of course, this is somewhat arbitrary, because I am just thinking of different ways Orange is specialized learning. Now, if yellow is going into the street and navigating the street, orange is like working at an airport and driving equipment around on the runways. (laughs) You don't go in there unless you have clearances and you will have special training. And once you have the clearances and you have a training and you have a reason to be there and do what you're doing and you have orders to follow, then you're doing it. So orange is what I call the highly specialized training that you don't, most of us don't go unless we have a reason for it. And some of those could be in the area of health care, could be in the area of counseling, could be in the area of maybe legal matters. That some people have a calling to go into and the reason, the reason uh, most of us shouldn't go there because these are areas that there's there's specialized dangers in there. Let's say it that way. That if you don't need to expose yourself to that, you shouldn't. But if you have a calling, you have a purpose, and you do the proper, the proper, um, you have the proper clearances and the proper purposes and all that. Then there's a place to go into that. But if you don't have a reason, you're better off without it. Then what is red? Well, red, like I said, is poison. I'm going to read a verse in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Now that's actually what we were talking about. Don't be children in your understanding. Do understand things. Howbeit in malice be ye children. But in understanding be ye men. Now that actually encapsulates the whole message pretty well. Howbeit in malice be ye children. Malice means evil or badness. It's And being a child means being innocent. There are some things you actually don't even want to know what's there that's the idea of course we 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 um a a child a child is innocent you 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 know how it is you can say things parents can say things to each other and they can and each other knows exactly what talking about and the child it goes right over their head they have no idea what's being said you all adults, adults know what that's like They're innocent. Well, that's what we, as God's people, and as children growing up, should be innocent. And, of course, that's the normal thing, porn and violence and comedy and filthy language and twisted views and actions of all kinds. You see, red takes what God has created. Just like language, just one example. Language, God created, we can communicate. Red is twisted Corrupted language. You should know nothing about it. Now, I understand when we go out and go to children's ministry, you'll be exposed to it. I understand that. But you should not immerse yourself into it. Red takes a creature made by God, beautiful and awesome, and turns it into an object of lust and worship. That's what red does. And I have one word for red. It's the word abstain. First Peter 2.11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. So here's where we come into now the digital discussion. Here's where we're going to make the transition into the last part of the message. YouTube and videos and movies and Internet, smartphones. Now, let's just take one, YouTube. What does YouTube consist of? Dark green, light green, yellow, orange, red. What's all on YouTube? I say they're all on there. They're all on there. They are. YouTube is like a printed page spanning the spectrum of human endeavor. Only it is more powerful than books. It's more fascinating than audio. It's more informational. You can see how to change that light bulb in that car, that headlight in that car. It's also more addictive. It's more gripping. It's more entertaining. It's all of that plus a whole lot more. Solomon said of the making of books, there is no end. 400 hours of YouTube video is uploaded every minute. That's last year's Statistics. I like to read a variation of Second Timothy chapter three, starting at verse one. This know also that in the last days YouTube shall come, for people shall upload their own simple selves. "...covetous and boasters, and proud and blasphemers, and disobedient to parents, and unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fearers, despisers of them that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away." This is the kind who work their way into people's home via the Internet and win the confidence of vulnerable people who are looking for something entertainment, entertaining and are controlled by their various desires. Such people are forever following new teaching, but they're never able to understand the truth. It's a variation of Paul's prophecy to Timothy, but it fits the day that we live in. It fits. Jesus had told us to be in the world, but not of the world. He told us through John not to love the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And it's absolute. He said, if that love is in you, if that love of the flesh, pride of life is in you, the love of the Father is not. And that love Will pass away with the world. So, let's look at digital media through those eyes. Now, for someone like me that loves to learn, YouTube with blogs, podcasts, internet, websites is, is It's like a bonanza to me. It has, I I like to learn. I was one of those people who when school was out for the summer, when everybody was cheering because they're done with school, I was sad because I liked school. So all this is a bonanza. The potential for learning is increased many fold. But we must navigate it. So I have a few cautions and warnings. This is for all of us, myself included. But think of yourself particularly. What is your appetite? If what you eat is what you become, what is your appetite? What type of... Of informational material. Do you gravitate towards? Only you can fully answer that question. I have a friend. Who is enthralled. With end time. Events. The end of the world. And Israel. And the mark of the beast. And the rapture. And. And all the world events that are coming together. And guess what he watches on YouTube. What is your appetite? What do you gravitate towards? What is your nature? A vulture. Loves animals that have been dead for a while. But it loves it because it's the nature of a vulture. If you would feed it ice cream, it might not even like it. But I do. It's the nature. What is your nature? What do you gravitate towards? If your part, heart pants after God, you will pant first and foremost after dark green. You will seek out, if you're online, you will seek out stories and teaching that inspire and equip you to be more effective in God's kingdom. Granted, you can do that with printed word. You don't need digital But we live in a digital age and most of us have smartphones now. But the question is, what is your appetite, whether it's printed material or digital? And then you can go after light green. You can have a vast instructional materials on how to do almost anything, any subject, any song, any person, any belief system. And this is a benefit if it's done in moderation. Our island of knowledge can grow, and it gives us more potential to wonder and to worship. It has that potential. But the opposite is true as well. Our screens are potentially addictive. They can diminish face-to-face interaction. Instead of people talking to each other in a family, they're just in their various corners. It can weaken communities, and it has the real potential to be very destructive. Now, I like to read, I guess you could call this the light green stuff. I like to read something that I found, just came in my email this past week. It says, our weaknesses are exploited by our smartphones. I'm going to read a little article here. You can please listen in. It's by a man, Tristan Harris, is an expert on how technology hijacks our psychological vulnerabilities. He spent three years with Google before funding Time Well Spent, a non-profit initiative, Um, that, among other things, aimed to catalyze a change among technology companies through policy recommendation to protect minds from nefarious manipulation. hope you can follow all those big words. But he spent three years with Google, and then he formed a company, Time Well Spent, which, because we are being manipulated to spend our time unwisely. Following is an excerpt from this article. That we live in an attention economy. That means every app and website is trying to get you to come back and spend more time. Companies literally have teams of people called growth hackers whose job is to invent new reasons, notifications and new persuasive tactics to bring you back. That manipulation psychological. Where does this technology exploit our mind's weakness? And this is the man talking. He said, I learned to think this way when I was a magician. Now think like a magician. Right now I'm going to ask you to think like a magician. Magicians start by looking for blind spots, edges, vulnerabilities, and limits of people's perceptions so that they can influence what people would do Without them even realizing it, so I, I do not know how people can get rapids out of empty hats and stuff. It, it's done with some kind of manipulation of perspective, per, perception. Well, that's what they do. said once you know how to push people's buttons, you can play them like a piano, and that's exactly what product designers do to your mind they play your psychological vulnerabilities consciously or unconsciously against you to grab in the race to grab your attention now, that's the world that we live in with digital technology talking specifically about phones he goes on more to explain how our phones are purposefully made to be addictive you know, at our last no, brother's meeting a time before, a brother made a comment someone said to him, said, tech is not our friend. It is our enemy. That's a strong statement. If we can't believe that, we've already lost the battle. Now, let's say it this way. I don't know if I can make such a strong statement because technology does bring us many things that we find useful. But let's say it this way. Technology is not neutral. Let's say it at least that much. Okay. So here's my advice. Examine your appetite. Like Paul told the Corinthians to examine themselves to whether they be in the faith or not. So examine yourself, examine myself, whether I need to repent. And like when Jesus said to the rich young ruler, you know, one thing thou lackest. For some of us, it may be one thing thou lackest. Give up your cell phone habits. Take up the cross and come and follow me. And you shall have treasure in heaven. So examine your appetite. Number two, question or quit anything questionable. This is the area of music, foolishness, comic, comedy, drama, entertainment, skits, video games, etc., etc. I don't know what's all out there. Quit everything questionable. Because what we consume, what our diet is, will form us to what we will become. Susanna Wesley said, Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off the relish of spiritual things. In short, whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, what, however innocent it may be in itself. Now that would be a good quote to have as our quote. Whatever obscures your sense of God takes away the relish for spiritual things. That's something you want to avoid. Then number three. Use your tech as an accessory, as a tool, and not a centerpiece. Jesus told us very, very clearly. Actually, it was Paul who said it the words, he was talking the words of Jesus, but he says, redeem the time. We live in evil days. Redeeming the time means make best use of your time. And technology is supposed to save us time, ends up costing us time. It does. And the Bible says, Redeem the time. Make the best use of your time. Do something for God to counteract the evil. So tech, while it can and does save us time, can become the greatest thief of our time. And I say, don't allow it. What would you do with a thief? We're all Christians. We're non-resistant, right? Let the thief have it, right? No, God says when it comes to your time, it's your time, you are to redeem it. Don't let anyone, I uh, say it this way, people can steal our time, we can, uh, but don't allow something like that to take your time. God says, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. If that is a precious verse to you, If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you are probably a real Christian. That verse speaks of a driving force, an ambition, a passionate desire for the things of God and to be a part of that. So learn, and here's the thing, learn how to control your appetite to develop into the man or the woman God wants you to be and I'm going to finish with a few verses in second Timothy where the apostle Paul was late in life second Timothy chapter 4 if Paul would have had technology that we have today. He could have probably still said these words. And I want us, in the world we live in, to be able to say these words at the end of our life. Paul said, I, in verse 7 of chapter 4, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And that is us, if we love his appearing and are not stuck on our gadgets and those things so may god bless you we are what we eat